0: What's going on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your Pals Pass, Phoenix the YWC reality check here with your November 30th, 2021. Go home to not take over. But yes, War Games NXT 2.0 review. And that's about as excited as I'm gonna get about this show, guys. I told you last week I was gonna start giving these a try again because War Games was coming up, and if War Games is one of the last threads of the old NXT we have, damn right I'm gonna talk about it. But but goddamn I, uh, as somebody who used to, and, and I hate to keep going over this same material, but like, as somebody who, once I dug my teeth into NXT and decided that NXT was was my brand, old NXT, obviously, and made it the, the flagpole of this channel for a long time was the NXT Reviews. That's why all the housekeeping, all the announcements got made during the NXT Review, because anything else that happened during the week was just something extra, if I was doing a review, if I was doing a preview, if I was doing a special collab with Jake or Guapo, if I was doing Flix fix with Kristen, that was all, I don't want to say secondary, but that was all up in the air, whether it was going to happen or not, NXT was the prime, it was the prime central thing on this channel, and it was a lot more fun, A, when it was good NXT, and B, I'm sorry, I know this puts me on an island, but it was fun, like, we lost, cool, whatever, we lost the Wednesday Night War, but the Wednesday Night War was still fun. Like, the gamesmanship of it, like like grabbing a Coke when you know your buddy at the other end of the table is grabbing a Pepsi. Like, there was that, combined with the fact that it was good NXT. And this is... I find it very hard. I find it very hard to care. I've said very recently about AEW and uh, finally got to touch base with uh, our good friend Jake DeMarco, and we uh, traded some thoughts on, on AEW, because he, he made the comment, hey, I guess you're more of an AEW guy now, and uh, I made the comment that AEW has has expanded its extremes with me. There used to be I'd watch AEW, because, I, let's be real, when the Wednesday Night War was going on, I would watch NXT, I would record this, I would talk to you guys, and then while while the video was processing, I would go back and watch AEW Dynamite, so it was very much a... I wasn't watching in the background, I was watching the show, but it was it was a multitasking... Thing, and you know there was stuff I liked, there was stuff I didn't like, and it was fine. Now that I sink my teeth more into AEW, and yes, AEW is doing a lot of good shit right now. The extremes have expanded. Uh, there's nothing that I really middle on. It's there's stuff in there that I absolutely love, and there's stuff in there that I absolutely can't stand. Cody Rhodes, I'm looking at you. Um, I don't have any extremes for NXT. Everything is sort of a meh in the middle type of thing. Now I will say. They, started, they, they, they They pulled a rampage. They started off the night with the best thing on the show, which was the women's war games advantage ladder match. I think that's what they say. Uh, basically, it's who gets the numbers advantage in the war games match, and it's always decided by a ladder match. Now, again, uh, leaning to uh, our good friend Jake DeMarco, I think he and I uh, had a discussion about this either, last war games or the war games before that. I love this concept in that it, it doesn't make sense in some ways, because a ladder match is no DQ, so how is it that both teams don't just pile in and make it a big clusterfuck? I get that. But also, we know how dangerous a ladder match is, and if the ladder match is what you need to do just to get to the War Games match, in your own mind, on the pay-per-view on Sunday, it preemptively puts an idea in your head of how how awesome War Games is, and then Pat McAfee, who's had exactly two matches, comes off the top of the cage, and it's fine. But I love the I love the qualifying um, I love the qualifying ladder match for the uh, for the war games match when it was you know proper takeover war games. It is the more violent version of when people actually had to qualify for the Royal Rumble is the comparison that I was going to make. And of all the people in the match. You put some pretty seasoned people in this ladder match with Kaylee Ray versus Dakota Kai, which I really like Dakota Kai, who's doing this. Everybody's calling it her Joker character. Like, that's a bad thing. And Kaylee Ray's just awesome. Kaylee Ray already ha- sort of had a hardcore vibe to her. Now, if you toss in the fact that they're good, giving her this, you know, what's your thing? She's the Rage Room chick. Like, yeah, she's going to do good in a ladder match. And yeah, she's going to do good in. Uh, In a cage match. Sorry, losing my train of thought because this is good. This is going to be a heck of a. This is going to be an everything and nothing review, so buckle up your seats for that. So, Dakota Kai having this brand new, like, even worse heel character that she's got, and Kaylee Ray just being solid in these types of matches, and, you know, bringing a little bit of experience to the table as well. It was all good. Now, when the show started, Both teams were walking and both teams were walking. Both teams walked all the way to the rampway so that all four of them were face-to-face. And that's fine. NXT does that occasionally uh, leading up to a pay-per-view. People don't like it. I get it. It doesn't make sense. Why aren't they just wailing the shit out of each other? But if you want to go the real sports feel, uh, every press conference between two boxers, two MMA guys, to even they do it on AEW as well, uh, that whole, like, let's pose and get the final shot or whatever the case may be. If they were doing that, that would have been fine. But they just came to the ramp and fought. And out of that, the early advantage went to Dakota Kai because she threw Kaylee Ray into a ladder. Kaylee Ray... Ah... I can't read my own writing. This is how bad this is gonna be. This is gonna be a bad review. Uh, There's a brawl on the outside, and it's funny because even though a ladder match is no DQ, the, the match still has to start. So when they got in the ring, uh, Dakota Kai followed Kaylee Ray into the ring and basically walked into a superkick and that's how the match started and then she tossed her to the outside and hit her with an inside out swanton which was nice I didn't do I haven't gone back to doing point by point match things I'm just picking out the spots that I liked more or less twisting DDT onto the edge of the steps by uh, Dakota Kai was really nice a suicide dive into the commentator's desk by Kaylee Ray was also pretty good we're gonna talk about that spot later on in the night trust me um, sort of a uh what do you call it, Alberto Del Rio uh, Tree of Woe double stomp uh, by Dakota Kai, but she does it on the outside to the apron, which is the hardest part of the ring, isn't it, Taz? Um, Kaylee Ray hits the uh, KLR bomb face first into the uh, announce desk onto Dakota Kai. There's a double stomp off of the ladder by Dakota Kai onto Kaylee Ray and, yeah, there's the typical ladder match stuff at the end. They brawl and they hit each other and they knock each other off and eventually Kaylee Ray gets the win. Now, couple things with this. Now, I know purists will say that in the War Games match, the heel team should always have the advantage, because that's a heel story, but why not every now and then have a babyface team have the re- uh, have it, and instead of giving the heels an advantage, give the heels something to bitch about, because bitching is another thing that heels do. Also, Kaylee Ray is pretty fucking awesome, and never, never really got to, uh, have a full-fledged, uh... run through the old nxt and she was there for um wasn't she there on a on a rhea ripley or a Shayna baszler she was on the Shayna baszler uh... war games team i do believe somebody's gonna correct me down in the box below so she's the one coming into this match with match experience so if she's got experience in the war games match she's gonna take that in on sunday it makes sense that she would have more confidence going into the ladder match there we go got there in the end in the back grizzled young veterans are are just rascals now like they were violent guys that were great on the mic in nxt uk and now they're just troublemakers that are that are causing mischief in the back and they're picking they're picking the lock on the lockers of brooks jensen and uh josh briggs which is fine and they're trying to whisper and then jacket time come and hang out with them and i don't know who this is for guys I like Jacket Time. I like Grizzle's Young Veterans. Um, as a team that is still new and still sort of finding their feet and finding their character, I don't mind Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs either. I wish they had a name so it would be Grizzle's Young Veterans, Jacket Time, and whoever these guys are. Um, Jacket Time is stupid but I like stupid shit in that regard and Grizzled Young Veterans if they can get back on form and they give uh Zach Gibson the microphone in the ring we will be fine this segment was pointless Cameron Grimes takes on Andre Chase because last week after after they made the whole big spiel about how him and Duke Hudson are gonna have a hair versus hair match which is really unfair if you consider how much hair Duke Hudson has and how much hair Cameron Grimes has Andre Chase uh confronted him in the back and tried to talk him down in front of his fake university student gimmick thing uh, he told them to go to hell, and that was enough for them to have a match tonight, I don't care about Andre Chase, I don't care about the Chase U section, I just look at the Chase U section and think you could have put more actual fans there, that's fine, this match exists so that the commentators can talk about the match coming up on Sunday, I get that, I'm not blind to that, but it is what it is, um, a snap Hurricane Rana by Cameron Grimes it was really, really nice, followed by the cave-in, Grimes gets the obvious win because he's the one that's got a match on Sunday. All of that is fine. If you got two guys in the ring and the one that I'm more interested in is Cameron Grimes, there's a problem. Duke Hudson comes out onto the I I think they people used to call it the uh, the William Regal balcony, but we're not in the in. Uh, full sail anymore we're in the two point dome so i don't even know what to call it anymore and he does what a lot of heels do it's like hey look i've got a slideshow of what you could like after look like after you lose your hair the one that i do like is you know he they put a short female haircut on him and uh called him Karen Grimes, which uh, leads me to another idea that I'm going to pitch at another time, probably during the preview for this pay-per-view, and as we go back to the commentators and they're, they're talking about something, I think they're talking about the matches that are happening for the rest of the night, but I cannot focus on what they're saying at all because I popped huge because Wade Barrett, sitting there in his suit, all proper Wade Barrett, let me tell you about the bad news and all that, opens up his suit jacket and he's got a Toxic Attraction shirt on, I'm like, go fucking Wade Barrett, it's all good. We have an interview with Edris Enofi, which I know I'm not pronouncing correctly, but I tried. And I don't want to, I don't know how much of this is this kid's real life. I don't want to say kid, because that sounds really derogatory. But this guy's life, he's talking about, you know, troublesome as a, kid and then he joined the military services which obviously I'm not going to make fun of but you know everywhere I went whether it was school whether it was the streets whether it was the military people told me to not expect very much and put me down and nobody had any hope for me and done it and it's it's every baby face promo of every new baby face character that has existed now the parts of it that are true the parts of it that are real I'm not making fun of the guy's story but you never know how much of it is true and obviously if he's gone and he's done the military thing you know you know good for him for serving his country and all that kind of thing don't want to take away from that but it's every baby it's every here's a new baby face promo that there's ever been in nxt in wwe in aew in impact it's every i had it hard the whole way, but I'm going to show them all wrong, dadgummit, he has a match later on tonight with Solo Sokoa. it's mine, team 2.0 come out, and I love this, this I actually do love, because we've sort of hinted at it, it's the old school guys versus the new school guys, but they've sort of canonized it on this show, it's team 2.0 versus team black and gold, I do love that. I do love that they're at least acknowledging the old, good NXT. They come out, because it's already been announced that the representative for the the War Games Advantage Ladder Match for the Men is going to be Johnny Gargano for Team Black and Gold, and they brought out Team 2.0 to make that announcement, and they also cut a promo that was super cut and paste and super... Like, don't get me wrong, I like Carmelo Hayes. I like Tony D'Angelo. I like um, I mean Grayson Waller whatever oh, we don't know what he's doing this week I I I have an appreciation for what Braun Breaker is. I don't want to say that I like him yet but he he serves a purpose but they all just sort of come out like Tony D'Angelo's funny, and Carmelo Hayes is charismatic on the mic, and he's got his hype man there too, and that works, and then the other two talk, and it sort of falls off the the wagon a little bit, and then it's announced that the representative from their team in tonight's thing is going to be Braun Breaker, because of course it is. Now, I do want to say, Braun Breaker is not my cup of tea, but I said, or he's not... (sighs) Not, to say, not even to say it's not my cup of tea, because I don't dislike the guy. I mean, I like, you know, come out to the ring, show me what you can do. I can see you're getting better every week, right, right, right. But it is very much like uh, when, when Zoe Stark first debuted in NXT. And I just thought, I don't, th- this isn't the guy that I would have chosen, but it is nice to see that they've picked this guy, they've brought him in, they've decided that he's going to be a project for them, and they've They've chosen a direction, and they're going in it. It's better than 50-50, nobody loses, but nobody wins, so nobody really gets anywhere. I'll give them credit for picking a direction and going with it, regardless of if it's the direction that I would have gone. Does that make sense? Johnny Gargano comes out and makes fun of them and says, I can't wait to fight you later on tonight in the ladder match, calls him the big bad booty nephew, which is great. I love how they refuse to call him Steiner, they refuse to call him Rex Steiner or whatever, but literally everything that everybody says to him is making fun of him for being Steiner's kid, Steiner's nephew, etc. Um... MSK are still looking for the shaman. They argue with their GPS, which is great. They get to a hotel room and they see the shaman, and it's a silhouette. And of course, we don't see who it is because we're probably going to find out who it is at at uh, War Games. That's going to be an extra segment that happens on the show, is it not? I mean, it's going to be Rob Van Dam, isn't it? It's going to be Rob Van Dam. Like nothing else makes sense. There's smoke billowing out of the of the uh, hotel room that he's in. It's all very. Eh. The, the bummer about this is we're going to talk about some tag team stuff in a second, and I don't care about any of it as much as I care about when the fuck is MSK going to stop doing this shit and get back in the ring. Because MSK, everybody has said it, I'm not reinventing the wheel when I say this, MSK... Uh, along with characters like Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter or whatever, were sort of handmade for this version of NXT, even when the old version of NXT was still a thing. When you look at MSK in that version of NXT, and then we saw what this version of NXT was going to be, it's like, well, MSK are going to fit in here like the hand in the glove type of thing but they've been off for weeks and they're an entertaining team to watch look at who the champions are right now this is all backwards and this is how we get to the number one contenders tag team match which is legato del fantasma versus kyle o'reilly and vaughn wagner i i have nothing to say about this match you know what i have to say about this match I like the Legato Del Fantasma t-shirt that's like NWO or I guess LWO style that they have. That's pretty cool. Von Wagner sticks out like a sore thumb because the other two members of Legato Del Fantasma and Kyle O'Reilly are putting on an old school NXT type match. And then they tag in Von Wagner and he just lurches around for a bit. And I get that that's me being super critical, but I don't care. None of this works. Because number one contenders match, you should... The, the purpose of a number one contenders match should be for you to sit there while two teams are facing in the ring and think, look at who the champion is. Imagine if the champions fought them. Imagine if the champions fought them. The champions right now are Imperium, who are boring as fuck. I'm sorry. I get it. Individually, uh, Marcel Barthel and Fabian Eigner are fantastic technical, you know, in-ring tacticians. That's fine. They're great in the ring. They know the they know the basics. They know the great fun mantles, uh, as Jim Ross would say. You know, shout out to Jim Ross, who's currently out dealing with his skin cancer shit. That's also quite shit. Um, many happy returns to him, and hope he gets back as as soon as he can. But they they would probably be great be great trainers. They would probably be great uh, staff at the at the PC. That doesn't make them exciting in the ring. Imperium without Walter is just two guys in black. And I'm sorry, it's not the old Stone Cold Steve Austin, ah, guy in black trunks and black boots ain't going to draw. These guys ain't going to draw. So if I don't care about the champions, I don't care who the next contenders are. Please hold. Gotta love technology now. Where was I? Yes, I don't care about the number one contenders match because I don't care about the champions. And here's the other thing, too. Legato like Del Fantasma are a fantastic team. Uh, Santos Escobar going off to do his own... Uh, not going off to do his own thing, but he will have singles matches. These guys will have tag team matches. And I would love for them to be the number one contenders for the tag team championships, but I would love for them to be going up against champions that I could be excited about the match with, and I don't want the team of Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner to win anything, because I don't like the team of Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner, because Kyle O'Reilly deserves better. I get that he's not going to get better, because he's probably leaving the company soon. That's neither here nor there. Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner versus Imperium just makes me sad for Kyle O'Reilly, and Legato versus Imperium unless I've got some kind of guarantee in my head that Legato are going to win doesn't make me feel any good about anything either now, if I could believe that we're very we're going to have a two minute match Legato's going to squash Imperium and MSK are going to return the same night and they're going to have a proper match for the tag team titles, yes but we don't get that, we don't get nice things because Zion Quinn came in and he, you know, took out his issues with Legato Del Fantasma and in the process takes away all of Santino uh, not Santino, not Santino um, Santos Escobar's help, and eventually, down the line, Kyle and Von Wagner get the win, which means I'm getting the very worst possible scenario of all of these things, which is Kyle O'Reilly's gonna get squashed on his way out, Von Wagner's going to be on a pay-per-view that he doesn't belong on, and Imperium are gonna be on my TV screen. Nobody wins. Absolutely nobody wins, in this case scenario. And the one team that I actually do want to see is is chasing the shaman and getting stoned and such you could throw anybody else in here Briggs and Jensen in there throw Grizzled Young Veterans in there throw Jacket Time in there Jacket Time are fun throw the, the, the guys from Diamond Mine in there that would be a good thing like anything I want Legado Del Fantasma to face some other team so that we could say okay the championship match over here but the good match was over here because there's only five matches I mean I know it's a typical takeover but there's only five matches it's fine we get another Tiffany Stratton promo and she's a she's a daddy's girl and she's never looked at a price tag in her life and is it cliché as fuck? Yes, is everybody mad about it? Yes. Does that make me laugh? Yes. And double all those sentiments that I just said for the Joe Gacy gimmick because the Joe Gacy gimmick only pisses people off that his character represents. Oh yes, he's got the all-inclusive invitational He's talking about his vision for the new NXT Cruiserweight Championship that isn't a Cruiserweight Championship anymore because he's not a cruiserweight and he says the future of the Cruiserweight Championship is going to look like this. We're not going to be we're not going to be judged by weight or height or gender and he's got a short guy and a fat guy and a chick there that he's going to wrestle with and he wrestles with the short guy, and beats him up, and tags in, and lets him tag in the female, who doesn't even get named, which which is the only reason I'm saying the female, which sounds really terrible, and obviously, because it's WWE, intergender wrestling isn't actually going to happen, they get cut off by the diamond mine, he says, you know, leave all your toxic friends outside, I just want to talk to Roderick Strong, they get a couple of shots in before they're pulled away, um, this was everything and nothing. It really was. I love the SJW thing because it winds it winds up exactly the people that it's supposed to wind up. People don't like looking in the mirror, so they don't like guys like this. People don't like looking in the mirror, so they don't like characters like Tiffany Stratton. All we need... No- oh, I'm saving it. I'm saving it for the preview. I'm saving it for the preview because I might whisper it. I might have some company on the preview. Moving on. Uh, what's going on here now? Uh, Solo Seko is being interviewed in the back because he's going to be the first opponent for Edris Enofe, which I'm not pronouncing correctly, I'm sorry, but I'm doing my best here. And he's interrupted by Boa, who's speaking, I'm assuming, in Japanese or Chinese. I don't know, I'm not a linguist, I barely struggle with English, as you guys know. Um... But he's basically freaking out and he's supposed—he's trying to keep his fiend character in because he's got the spirit of the thousand-year-old dragon lady in him now because she's gone and and Solo's just like, dude, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> and he wanders off. And then you get the match between uh, Idris and Enope and Solo Sokoa. And um, side note, Robert Stone is also watching this, so he's looking for new clients because all his clients have been let go. That's really, really sad, and a conversation that's worthy of another day. Um, much like Samoa Joe, Solo Sokoa is starting to get the solos-gonna-kill-you chance from the crowd, which I think is really, really nice. Um, the way we did the production about uh, Idris a earlier in the night with the promo and all that sort of thing, I thought this was going to be a showcase for him. It really wasn't. He got the odd shot in here and there. This was a shot for Solo Sokoa, who I really like, and I'm really becoming a fan of. Um... Finishes them off with a pop-up Samoan drop and a and a really stiff splash. Post match, the demon version of Boa comes out and chokes them both out, but they both manage to fight it off because he, like, fucks off and bails. And then there's a little show of respect between uh, Sokoa and Anofe. After the match, he, you know, he helps him up and gives him a handshake and all that sort of thing. So, are these two guys collectively going to be dealing with Demon Boa now? I really don't know, but. I shouldn't like this. I should, I should be focusing on the fact that we're seeing the, the rise of Solo Sokoa, and he's awesome. And we've got this other guy, Idris Inoufé, who looks athletic as hell in his own right, but this match was not the showcase for him. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm more focused on the fact that thousand-year-old dragon lady lore exists in boa now because we don't have the thousand year old dragon lady anymore and that pops me, that pops me huge we thought we got rid of the fiend we just did the fiend differently and in NXT and not with Bray Wyatt I don't, the last rumor I heard about Bray Wyatt and this was on Twitter so it could be wrong watch me while I adjust my camera there the last rumor I heard about Bray Wyatt is that Bray Wyatt, Braun Strowman and Enzo Amore are getting together and starting their own wrestling fed i i i love wrestling in 2021 uh i don't even know who they were facing but indy hartwell and persia parada won a tag team match basically persia did all the heavy lifting and indy hartwell's worried about dexter loomis this needs to go because this is making i mean it's making Persia Parada look great, but it's making Indy look like a dolt, and if they're doing something with Dexter Loomis, or if they, for some reason, get rid of Dexter Loomis, and she just ends up as the forever girlfriend holding the cell phone waiting for the boyfriend to call or the husband to call, it's really not going to do good things for Indy Hartwell. Literally last week, I said it was really kind of cool that you had the Candice LeRae Indy Hartwell uh, partnership that was going on, where Indy Hartwell was sort of the, the the student at the teacher's feet type thing, and now with Candice LeRae gone to go have a baby, happy for them, happy for the Garganos, that's all good. Uh, now she's brought in her friend Persia Parada, and the role has kind of reversed. But don't then leave her out to dry. Now she's having some powerhouse performances as a single person trying to hold up a tag team, but it doesn't it doesn't quite work. It's it it just it is what it is, and the main event was the second ladder match for the second uh, War Games advantage between Johnny Gargano and Braun Breaker. And I should have something to say about this, but I just don't. It's big guy, little guy stuff. Um, one thing that can always be can always be said is that the Johnny Gargano slingshot spear is still one of the coolest moves in the business, in my opinion. He hits a suicide die from the outside to the desk. Now talk about the law of diminishing returns, they literally did the same spot with the women, and I'm sorry, I'm going to say this as delicately as I possibly can, a suicide s- spot like that, not only the suicide dive itself, because suicide dive is impressive as hell, don't get me wrong, but the suicide dive into another object, is. it always looks and comes off a little bit cooler with the women, because for the most part, the women are smaller, and it looks like they're Oh, there's, there's no good way for me to say this. It looks like they're getting destroyed more when they hit the desk. So now when you got these guys... I mean, Breaker's a big dude. He can bump into a desk. It's not like... Um, it's not like when uh, Brock Lesnar got it in the sternum and we did the, the his whole medical thing and whatever. It's just a move that happened in the match. Breaker gets the case at the end and Team Black and Gold and Team 2.0 brawl to end the show. I... Despite everything, I am looking forward to this Sunday because it's not. Even though they're not calling it takeover, we're gonna find out this Sunday what NXT this version of NXT pay-per-view is. Um, there's matches here that I'm interested in, some legitimately, some from the uh, from the comical perspective, and uh, there's some that. Uh, I don't know, like I say, War Games is always a win for me. Like, even if it's bad, it's still kind of good. It's like it's like the Royal Rumble in that way. Very quickly, they established War Games as an NXT trope, and then it was callously ripped off by AEW, but we don't need to talk about that. Um, they would have to go a long way for me to not like a War Games match, even if it's not great. But, if we go through... And I didn't write the matches down, so I'm gonna to have to see if I can pull it off the top of my head. We got Kyle O'Reilly versus Von Wagner. Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner wasting my time as they take on Imperium for titles that are that are dead. Let's be real. Um, there's no women's title match. There's no men's title match. There's no women's tag team title match because all of those matches are involved, or sorry, all those titles are involved in the War Games matches themselves. We've got Duke Hudson and Cameron Grimes having the hair versus hair match, and if Cameron Grimes gets his head shaved, I'm going to laugh my ass off, but I don't think it's going to happen. You're going to get the guy that's already got short hair getting even shorter hair, and it's going to be very anticlimactic, but we'll see. Cameron Grimes is doing some good shit recently. Like I say, the snap Rana tonight uh, got my attention. Out of everything in that whole match, that got my attention. You've got the guy that's not a cruiserweight going for the cruiserweight championship, because that's what SJWs do, which is fine. We've got Dakota Kai and Toxic Attraction taking on. Let me see. I think Zoe Stark is going to be like in their corner, but Io Shirai, uh, Raquel Gonzalez, Kaylee Ray, and Cora Jade. Kind of cool that they're giving Cora Jade. Uh, a spotlight, seeing as she sort of came up out of nowhere. Also, really fun to mention that when Cora Jade and Gigi Dolan originally debuted in NXT, technically it wasn't in NXT because the Dusty Classic matches were happening on 205 Live, which made no sense. They were a tag team, and now they're on opposite sides of a War Games match. You know, it's a rags to multicolored rags. Story, and what I'm assuming is going to be the main event. By the way that they're marketing it now, Team 2.0 versus Team Black and Gold. So you know who's going to win. But it is Tony D'Angelo, Grayson Waller, uh, North American Champion Carmelo Hayes, and uh, and oh, and Braun Breaker, of course, taking on Gargano, Champa, Pete Dunne and L.A. Knight. There we go. I did it without writing it down. That's fine. L.A. Knight being the one to squeak in under the wire as being an old-school NXT guy. Um, I, I said it about Kyle O'Reilly, but we, Johnny Gargano, the rumors have said he's all but out the door as well. He signed a five-day extension so that he could be part of this pay-per-view and the following week's NXT. So if that is the case, if Gargano's leaving, at the very least, DIY get to do something together one more time before he leaves. That's kind of a cool thing. Now that doesn't help the story, that doesn't help the kayfabe at all, but in the real life portion of, of things, I think that is is a nice thing that they can take away. He's getting a far better trip out the door than Kyle O'Reilly is. And Kyle O'Reilly's probably going to join Fish and Cole, and they're going to do some elite stuff. That's fine. If DIY go to AEW, then we're more fucked than we already are. This has been my very half-ass, unenthusiastic review of the NXT Go Home Show for Don't Call It Takeover War Games. I've been Spaz, your YWC reality check. Subscribe up there. Talk down there. Start a conversation. Keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to each and every last one of you later. But for right now, I'm tagging out. Bye, guys.